This is the Frogcast. everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. We are glad to have you with us tonight. We are going to recap the Frogs. They lost to Ohio State 40-28 to in Jerry World on Saturday night. Huge ratings, big game, emotional letdown, difficult loss. We're going to talk about that, the highs, the lows, and game day and recruits, and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, I have Daniel and I have Jeremy with me. The last couple weeks, we've come into this show excited and anticipating this game. Well, it finally got here. Just as a fan, the game didn't disappoint, even though I left disappointed. Daniel, you finally got to the game. Just uh, take me inside. What was it like to get inside a Jerry World and be there 30 seconds before kickoff? Describe your emotions. I was nervous. I was nervous on the drive over there. Uh, You know... I, I spent all day, I was tailgating with some people, and that's not something I usually do. I usually pop in right before the game starts and then leave right as it's ending, so I don't like traffic. Anyway, um, uh, I was really nervous because I, I just had no idea what to expect. There were so many Buckeyes there. It was insane. Uh, that's a That's a strange breed of people for, uh, for a good bit. Not everybody, but um, it's, it was... Uh, interesting people watching as I made my way throughout the Death Star up to my seat, uh, about somewhere up in the stratosphere. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I was nervous. I mean, I, but you know, we and then the uh, the start did not help. Uh, it reminded me of a typical SMU start, except this is a, an actual team we were playing against. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect. Then I thought, man, we're going to get blown out of here. And then things changed and, um, we kind of know how the roller coaster went from there. Yes, we do. We know how the roller coaster went from there. Jeremy, I know everybody thinks you've got this luxurious life just sitting in press conferences or press boxes as waitresses bring you cocktails all game, but I don't think it's quite exactly like that. Uh, what's it like to sit at the press box at Jerry world? Well, I've been there a ton of times covering you know, obviously TCU games and high school games. The press box is kind of in one of the corners. It's set up basically like TCU's. It's it's really at the uh, a far uh, corner of the stadium. Uh, it, like Daniel, uh, yeah, it was a great atmosphere. I thought the Ohio State fans obviously were heavily outnumbered for the TCU. I mean, they heavily outnumbered the TCU fans. Uh, and, and I really did my best because it's hard to watch a game from there when you're sitting so high up because – it's such a big stadium, and, and I did catch myself just watching the big screen a couple times instead of watching the action on the field. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's fun. The press box is fun. I, I got to sit next to uh, one of the uh, top linebackers ever to play for TCU, Shannon Brazil, and it was fun sitting next to him and, and uh, chit-chatting with him, talking about the game and everything else. And let me tell you, we're going to get into this later, but – Take it from a guy like Shannon, there is a tackling problem on this team. I don't care what you type on your keyboard. Take it from one of the top linebackers ever to play for TCU. There's a uh, there's a tackling problem on this team. Well, we are definitely going to dig into that. Let's, let's just kind of start with how the game unfolded. Frogs uh, won the toss, and they deferred. Ohio State gets the ball. They, uh, you know, I think it was the second play. They take it down. You know, I think it was the third play. They, they're down inside the red zone. And the Frogs make a stand. They're, they're first and goal, and they make them kick a field goal. And you're like, all right, we're, we're kind of in business here. Frogs get the ball deep right away. Fumble, kicks around in the end zone, and it gets ruled a touchdown. The bottom of my belly kind of fell out when the Frogs went down 10-0. What were you guys feeling as you kind of watched this get out of hand early? Well, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling nervous because if you, yeah, Ohio State went down and they they drove down and and they've got a field goal. The defense obviously gave up two big plays on Ohio State's first drive. But if you go back and watch TCU's first drive, they they methodically drove the football down at will on that defense. I mean, there wasn't a play that they really got stopped on. And then you had a play where Darius actually scored a 16-yard touchdown and they called it back for holding. So I knew 
even though they were ten, down 10 nothing, I knew TCU could move the football on that defense. Uh, it, I wasn't really concerned. It, it, it did concern me as fa- with the fact that, man, Nick Bose is a great player and they're going to have hell with him all night trying to, trying to put McKinney out there. No, that's no knock on McKinney. Nick Bosa is probably the best defensive end in college football, but I, to be completely honest, I, I wasn't that nervous. It, it just, I guess, just the way TCU came out. If they would have gone, you know, three and out their first drive and punted, then 10 to me would have been very concerning. But it, it, it was a strange feeling for me because I really didn't feel that they couldn't move the ball against Ohio State. And I think by the end of the night, we all saw that. They moved the ball well. But, yeah, ten down 10 nothing. I, I still wasn't feeling concerned at all. You know, I was trying to almost pretend that opening drive where we missed the field goal didn't happen. But that that was frustrating because, you know, when the, when the Frogs ended up fumbling in the end zone and Ohio State scored, I almost felt like what had happened made it worse because, you know, they were just like sprinting down the field. I love the pace that Sonny came out with. He had a strong game plan. Darius takes it to the end zone, and Turpin, um, you know, it was a hold, but this is one of those frustrating things. It had nothing to do with the play. Like, that guy was not going to make the tackle. He was not going to tackle Darius Anderson. So you didn't need to hold, and you almost didn't need to throw the flag because a flag needs to be at um, restraint at the point of attack, and there was nothing about that hold that prevented him from – he would have scored anyway. So that was, that was kind of frustrating. And to know you, they'd squandered that opportunity in the end zone and missed that opportunity with the field goal and then turned the ball over right in the end zone for Ohio State to be able to score, that was, that was the part that – my man, my I, I went through the roof there that early in that first quarter because I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is this is going to be what every freaking Ohio State fan who uh, randomly found me on Twitter and tweeted me at three in the morning about there were about thirty of them. I thought this is exactly what they said was going to happen. Uh, I, I'll a, tell you what the the guy in the stadium that wanted to be anywhere except AT and T within about the first six minutes of the ball game was Cole Bunts. I mean, oh, you kicked, up, you kicked open and kick off out of bounds, and then you have a uh, what a 38 yard field goal attempt that goes wide left after that good drive. And man, I just, it, it, you, you could see that Gary didn't have a long leash with them and he no. immediately put Jonathan song out there the next, next go around. I was glad that he did. I was really glad that he did. I thought that, jo- you know, I like Jonathan song. I'm glad he's out there. <laughs> well then Jonathan almost missed the extra point. I know, but he made it. He made yeah, it. Yeah, that's, all, yeah. that's all that almost matters. Doesn't count in, in field goal, I guess. It, it was all good from then on out. It was just that, that Bunce missed the first one. Song barely made the next next one or extra point, whatever it was. And then from then on, it was okay. Yeah. But I was worried about it for a while, man. Yeah, I was definitely worried about it. Well, I want to I want to give a little uh, hot take here on the the touchdown that was recovered in the end zone off of the fumble. Did you guys see a lot of people were arguing that that should have been a safety because he was out of bounds and then grabbed the ball? Did you guys see oh, the? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that play should have been reviewed. It should have been reviewed, and you know what the call should have been? It should not have been touchdown, and it should not have been safety. It should have been illegal participation, Ohio State. Because if you are out of bounds, come back in, and you re-engage on the ball before a referee or the opposing team, that is illegal participation. You know the the standard way is a, a, a wide receiver streaking down the field accidentally steps out and then catches the ball and you they flag it for illegal participation how they throw their hat in college that's what that should have been because if he's out and then he touches the ball it doesn't matter if he's the first guy to touch the ball it matters that no tcu player has touched the ball if he touches the ball which he did that is illegal participation and it should have been 15 yards from the end zone out 15 yards and it would have been a first down that was that was frustrating to watch because they missed the call on what many people thought it was a safety, but that should have been illegal participation, which would have been a first down for TCU. There was another kid. I hate, kit, a, I hate to go on rules expert, but that's the rule, and it should have been figured. They should have caught that. Yeah, there was there was another play. I forget if it was second quarter or third quarter where Ohio State it was a big third down, and they they caught the pass. But if you see the review, it, you can see the ball hit the ground, and we're all in the press box saying, "Oh, that he didn't catch it. He didn't catch it," and that's that's at the point where I think Gary has a flag where he where he can uh, challenge that call, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's got to be quick with that. Some some of his assistants, I don't know who it is that that's they got those headsets on for a reason. So you got to communicate with your coach. Hey, coach, that that wasn't a catch. That wasn't a catch. Throw the flag. That was a big third down. They ended up uh, continuing the drive and scored off that drive. Yeah. 
Well, let's go ahead and look at what the Frogs did do right in the first half. I love the way that they did methodically drive down and uh, Shaywo uh, drives into the end zone. They get into the red zone and they power it up. That was one of those great designs from Sonny because, you know, they highlighted this on the television. Anthony McKinney, he's out there at left tackle. He steps back like he's got a pass block. Nick Bosa comes back on the bull rush to the outside. They hand it off to Shaywo and he dives right into the end zone. That was great. That was a great moment for Sonny, I thought, because the scheme that he had been running, he just he was able to exploit a strength of Ohio State. I'm I'm in agreement with you, but I'm gonna correct you on something. That was Austin Myers at left. That tackle. was Austin Myers. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I watched because I, after Anthony McKinney got beat by Nick Bosa, their next drive, they put Myers in there. Myers was the left tackle, not only on that touchdown, but the 93-yard touchdown by Darius and the 16-yard touchdown. And he was the left tackle when Sean threw that 51-yard touchdown. Well, they must have made that switch. I thought Anthony was in there for that first touchdown, and then Austin came in. Well, that was a good move. I'm glad that the Tom uh, Thompson or whoever it was made that choice because – Man, they were able to move the ball, and, and they, until until Bosa got hurt, you never are excited about a player getting hurt. Uh, I thought Austin Meyer and you know did a good job, and I thought McKinney actually did all right, other than that uh, sack, fumble, safety, touchdown, participation penalty. So, uh, yeah, we can talk <laughs> about the offensive line. It was it was all of the above almost, but yeah, I loved watching Shea will get that touchdown, and then. What was it like, Daniel, inside that stadium when Darius Anderson breaks the TCU record, breaking LaDainian Tomlinson record, and goes 93 yards to the house in Jerry World? And breaking Ohio State's record, too. That's the longest they've ever had run on them, um, ever, which is amazing. Uh, the The atmosphere was pretty insane i was already cynical at the point i was standing there looking for flags because they're hard to see from up there but i'm like no wait we scored there must be a flag somewhere because that's how the game had been going and i don't trust referees against big opponents um anyway the uh it was nuts i mean i woke up today my ears were ringing so it was loud in there really loud and that was just screaming from our side and we made a lot more noise than people, you know, give credit to. Um, it was it was good. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we were going nuts. And when it was when I finally realized, okay, this actually is a touchdown. We've got the lead. And I was just like, you know, I'm high fiving all these people. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they know those you. are the best They're high fives. Those yeah. are the podcast guy, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No one around me was remotely sober. <laughs> you know, Jeff, the best thing about AT&T's press box and it's it's unlike a lot of the press boxes you go to they they have these little holes in the uh glass and so that allows you to hear the stadium noise I mean it's not going to be as loud as if you were sitting down in the stands but it, it does give you kind of an idea how loud it is and it was so loud TCU fans just did a phenomenal job yeah they were outnumbered but I think even though how state fans were throwing credit their way for as loud as they were in that stadium. And, and man, they, they brought it. The TCU fans definitely brought it. Yeah, it was clear that there were a ton of Ohio State fans there, but whenever something would explode for the Frogs' way or, or get a call or score a touchdown, it sounded like Eamon Carter to me, man. They fire up the frog horn. Everybody was on their feet. You could hear the band. I was I was impressed. I'm, I'm done talking about how the game ended up at Jerry World. Get over it, people. I'm glad we had the game. And it sounded like the TC, the TC represented themselves well there, especially in those moments when the Frogs go up 14 to 13. They go up 14-10. They go to half up 14 to 13. And I'm just going to be honest. I thought if you would have told me at the beginning of the game the Frogs are going to be leading at halftime, my thought is they're going to win. And when that moment really went through the roof is when the Frogs come out, they back and forth, they trade a few punts, and then Darius Anderson takes it to the house on that, uh, or on that left corner again Dives in, hits the pylon. The Frogs go up 21-13, and I am pacing around my living room like a nervous Nelly waiting for his kid to get born. Like, I am so excited at this moment. The Frogs are up by eight. They have uh, taken command of this game. Darius Anderson is going to, you know, in my mind, he's going he's gonna to get 200 yards, and Bosa's out. And at this moment, I thought, this, this is it. This, this was like the high watermark of the season and then everything started to change. Yep. I called. Uh, I got it. I got. I got it down here in my notes. So I, let's just get to it. I called it the fatal four minutes. <laughs> Inside of these four minutes, 
when it seemed as if everything really started to fall apart here. Uh, Dwayne Haskins passes to Paris Campbell uh, on, on a screen to the left. He goes 63 yards for a touchdown. Ohio State uh, kicks off. They got a touchback. Sean Robinson, first pass over the middle to Jalen Rager, two yards, three-yard carry for Darius Anderson. Sean Robinson's pass is intercepted by Tremont Jones, and he carries it back 28 yards for a touchdown. Let's just stop right there. We're down to two straight touchdowns for Ohio State, one where he takes it to the house for 60 yards and one where it is possibly the most unpredictable pick six I have ever seen. You know what? We all love fat man touchdowns, but... Daniel, what were the fat guys around? What were the drunken fat people around you thinking when Sean Robinson pitched that pick six? It actually took everyone from up where we were quite a while to figure out what happened because you could not tell looking at the field. They already looked like ants. And so, and it took a few minutes of a couple of replays over and over on the on the screen. And I was like, Good Lord. And I, I didn't know what happened. It just, it was just ridiculous. And that's when it started to fall apart. And I'm not sure if that's when I moved. I had to move because moving helps the team somehow. This is the way sports work. And it's like, okay, I'm sitting here. Things are going bad. I better go somewhere else. So that's what I did. And I think that's when I did it because, or maybe it was later, but I did, I did move at some point. That's not it really. didn't work, Daniel, because the next possession they had, they got a stinking block punt. Way to go, Daniel. Way to go. Well, actually, I think I, that's when I left. Oh, okay. I take it back. And then here's the thing. While I was making my way down to the other end of the stadium uh, and then going down to one of the concourses, that's when we threw the last touchdown pass to – Heights. Um, oh, what's his name? Heights. Yes. So – that I did what I could, and then it fell apart more. And I well, left. we'll blame you for all of that. the ups The upside is we're only halfway through this this chaos here. You know, we get the pick six that was that was a tough play. That's just that was a great play by Jones and uh, Kelton Hollins did not make good block there, and he jumped right in and picked off a pass that probably should have never been thrown, and maybe one of the more questionable plays calls in that. Not that I'm you know Monday Morgan quarterbacking, well, but here I will say if they. They ate that play up earlier in the game, and and Sean noticed it. He saw it right off the bat, and so he kept the ball, and he did a little spin, and he ended up getting three yards. For whatever reason, Ohio State was sitting on the shovel pass. They they sat on it. They it, it's like as soon as they saw a certain lineman do this direction, and they saw it, they knew the play was coming. There there was no doubt they knew the play was coming. And the first time Sean realized it, he did great got three yards the second time it's you know he admitted the admitted the mistake he he made a a horrendous mistake and should have held on to the ball should have just kept the ball and taken a sack and uh i think you know hindsight you 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 think he can make that decision but when it's when you're trying to get momentum back and you're just trying to make some plays i I think you know being a young quarterback he probably wasn't thinking (laughs) i need to i need to take a sack here he's probably thinking i need to get the guy uh, the guy that makes plays, I need to get the ball in his hands. So that's I, I, I'm not going to fault him for that. There's a lot of plays that he made that kept TCU in the game. Oh yeah, he made a lot of plays that kept TCU in the game. That's not why we lost. That, that I just want to be clear. I'm offering my uh, constructive observations. Absolutely. I am not uh, piling on a, a player that I have a great amount of respect for. I ain't a coach. But the next play is kind of where I, I jump back in it. So if I'm if I'm losing my stuff. The next play, they kick off. Cavante Turpin fields it, brings it out to the nine, oh, and then they pulled the old uh, B.J. Catalan, uh, Cam Eccles, Louver play from the Oklahoma game in 14 where uh, Rager's laying down, and he gets up, and they throw the ball to him, and he fields it, and he takes it to the house. And I'm like, we're, we're back in it. This is it. We're, they're, you know, we're right back in the game in one play. But, of course, Turpin ran out to the nine, threw it to the 12, which is an illegal forward pass, and that uh, cost us a touchdown and pinned us back deep. With uh, It set up a punt that got blocked that, of course, Ohio State took in for a touchdown. And so that's kind of the fatal four minutes, in my opinion. That, that all happened in a four-minute period there where they give up a, a long touchdown on a big play. They have the pick six. They have the touchdown called back. They have the blocked punt. 
and then they get one-on-one coverage with Nico Small and throw it deep into the corner, and they're able to score. And, and in that moment, and that's three touchdowns, and in that, uh, in that moment, I mean, two touchdowns and a touchdown call, three touchdowns and a touchdown that got called back for TCU. That's 21 points. That's really brutal. 20 points, actually, when they went for two. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it, you really can't say nothing about it. I mean, you can't make, you no, make those, you can't. You can't make those mistakes. And obviously, I mean, it was the – once Ohio State scored, made it 21-19, TCU obviously stopped two-point conversion. So, you still you still have a lot of optimism. But when they go back out and they throw that sack uh, – Jones almost picked off a pass like that earlier in the game when they tried to run a little screen to Jalen. Well, that's why I'm saying this defensive line for Ohio State was extremely talented because mm-hmm. it's not only how athletic and physical they are, they're very smart – uh, instinctful players and he immediately saw something that was going on where they were trying to hit that quick slant and Sean threw it right to his chest and the guy just dropped it and so it usually the way the the football gods work when you do something instinctive like that maybe it comes back maybe you didn't get it that first time but it comes back around somehow and it came back around somehow in the third quarter when Sean pitched it right to him again and this time he he didn't he didn't drop it. He took advantage of it and ran it back. But, man, it's just it, – it, it's one of those games where – and you hate to sound like you have sour grapes, but it really was. It really was, uh, especially those those two plays uh, where you're – that play where the interception, it's, it's a gift-wrapped play. And you, you, can't, you can't say anything else about it. Yeah, it was a good play by Jones, but – if you look earlier in the game, Sean doesn't make that mistake, and so now he does. And man, there's just we could spend we could spend hours upon hours talking about this this yeah. four minute stretch where they just the wheels fell off, man. The wheels just completely fell off. You have this. You have that four minute stretch where if if it just would have been cut in half, or they don't fumble the ball down in the end zone that gets ruled a touchdown in you know in the first quarter. That right there is such a significant amount of scoring yeah. that that you just you just can't the idea that we only lost by twelve and dug ourselves into that deep a hole says a whole lot about this team. So we're going to talk about that in just a second here. But I just I, I guess I just want to say this after I've you know offered some uh, constructive criticism. What happened? I'm so impressed with this team. I mean, I I cannot I can find some faults about execution in a critical moment against a team that you need to be flawless against. What I can't fault is the scheme that the coaches brought out, the passion that these guys brought, the the energy that they had when they were able to hit the big plays that they made when they were really needed. Yes, maybe we should have had a thing break this way or that way, and it just doesn't always work out that way. But my goodness, this team was locked and loaded, and that, that was that was evident, obvious. Even when they gave up that deep pass on the first drive, they were able to force a field goal. That was a huge win, in my opinion. And I can't find anything outside of about five combined minutes of this game where I didn't think TCU was just whipping their ass every single play. Yeah, I thought the uh, the biggest turning point of this game. It's crazy because you had that four minute stretch, but they never they never stopped swinging. They never stopped fighting when when. Uh, Ohio State goes up 33-21. They're down by 12. And you're just thinking, man, is TCU going to be able to bounce back? And, I, and it was still one of those things for me. I even told Shannon, I, this this game's far from over because they're moving the ball on this defense. And then, of course, their next drive, they come out and they, they run a five-play, think 75 yards, and that's when Sean hit Trevante for that 51-yard pass. That was a great pass and a great adjustment by Trevante for the touchdown. And that's the – I think that was about the beginning of the end of the third quarter. Yes. End of the third quarter. So, they're only down by five points. And I thought at that point, okay, their next drive, they've got the momentum back. They're not out of this game. This is the drive where the defense really has to step up. This defense right here has got to make some plays. They've got to make some tackles. They've, they've, they've got to do the things that they were doing in the first quarter. And you thought with the way Gary – in his coaching staff make adjustments at halftime, you were thinking, okay, well, this, this is going to be, this is going to be the drive where this game changes. They're going to stop them. They're going to get the ball back and they're going to go right down and score again. This is the drive where the tackling issues were driving us all nuts up in the press box because they, they use JK Dobbins left and right on that drive. And he was juking guys, guys were flying at feet, uh, 
he, I mean, he just dominated uh, the run game for them. And it was, it was bad because this is the, this is the drive that you really wanted TCU to have an answer. And sure enough, they didn't. That was the drive where they end up of all people scoring, they do an option, uh, a zone read option with Dwayne Haskins and he keeps the ball and there he, there's Red Juan Isahaku who's the only guy out there. And he's, he's got to challenge a 330 pound offensive lineman to make the tackle. And that wasn't happening. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne could have walked in and which he, which he basically did. And I thought, I thought that's when, man, this, that's, that's, that's the thing that could, could kill TCU right there because they're going to start rushing. Yeah. That's when that's when kind of the wheels fell off. At least in terms of oh, the, the, we're we're down to miraculous. Not not that we're down to where we can strategically come back and be able to execute and be right back in the game. But that's when you're like, we need a forced turnover. We need a pick six. We need an onside kick. Because yeah, that drive was pretty shaky. Yeah, when they were able to extend it to a two score lead, and then the frogs didn't score at all in the second in the fourth quarter. And it was only 33-28 going into fourth quarter. And I thought this right. is this is where chaos is going to happen. This is where. Uh, we, we should be able to make something happen, and we weren't. And that was that was the frustrating part of being that close. Uh, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. So, well, we're going to take a minute here and take a look at uh, some, some of Jeremy's ideas and takeaways from the game that he wrote in a recent article on Hornbrock Blitz TCU 24-7. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life. If you haven't checked them out yet, go to teenlife.ngo. As we all know, schools are overwhelmed and understaffed, and teenagers are facing more challenges than ever before. I have a teenager. Trust me, that's true. Teen Life makes an impact by offering free support groups to schools with the help of community volunteers. Because of these groups, high school staff or school staff receive the support they need, and students are empowered to face life's many challenges. Teen Life has support groups in three states, as well as 14 school districts right there in DFW. Pasco High School, where you miss, most of you drive by on your way to the game, they have a group right there from Teen Life to support them. So we would encourage you to go online to teenlife.ngo to volunteer or to give and thank them, thank them for their sponsorship of the Frogcast. All right, Jeremy, you had some takeaways at your article that uh, you lifted up that you guys can find at TCU uh, Horn Frog, Frog Blitz, TCU 24-7. So let me ask you this question, um, and then Daniel, give me an agree or a disagree on each of these. Uh, Jeremy, you say TCU has a great quarterback in Sean Robinson. Tell us why. Well, I think the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, he made some mistakes, but there were so many great plays that he made on Saturday night that if, if he doesn't make, TCU's not going to be in the game. I think he looked – extremely confident running the offense we all want him to run more I think he, he the plays that he runs he looks great at uh, he's he's young he's he's only made four career starts this isn't this isn't a junior or senior I know there's some people out there saying they need another quarterback already you're idiots for crying out loud you're idiots this guy's got a great future his arm strength is uh very very strong uh the and the thing that I like the most about this kid, and you're never going to change my mind about it because I've known the kid ever since he was a freshman in high school, not college, a freshman in high school. The the kid just does not get rattled. And he doesn't he, – there's, there's nothing ever too big for him to overcome. If he throws an interception, he has the same – he has the same kind of reaction as he does when he throws a touchdown. He He just doesn't – he never gets too high and he never gets too low. He's just out there leading his team. And, and, and Coach Patterson said it after the game. This kid does not care about how many completions he has, how many touchdown passes he throws. He cares about the interceptions because he, he wants to help the team win at all costs. He wants, he wants wins for them over everything else. But even, even Coach said the, the, the fact of the matter is he, he just does not let things get glazed over. He doesn't have that glazed look like he's in trouble. And for a young kid like yeah. like him being just a sophomore, I think that's incredible. I think he's going to make a ton of big plays for TCU in the future. Not and, and, and obviously, in just four starts, he's already quickly becoming the face of the program. Uh, people are going to like him more and more uh, each each game. He's going to make mistakes. He's not going to play perfect every every time he goes out there. But remember, when when Andy Dalton and Trayvon Boykin start making plays. How old were they? They were basically redshirt juniors. This kid is a true sophomore, and he's playing in the Big 12. Yeah. 
He's he's playing against yeah, he's playing, playing against, against great competition last night. Yeah, he did he, against Ohio State. Yeah, he he did throw yeah. two interceptions. The the last one was probably more of a bad read on his part than the than the shovel pitch. Um, that was I mean mm-hmm. he's going out of desperation. He's he's wanting to bring his team back, but. I, I'm not going to fault him at that. I'm not going to fault him for the fumble because he had exactly 1.2 seconds to throw the football. Because, I mean, good gracious, you got Nick Bosa coming down, and he didn't. He, I, I don't care who you are, you're, you, what quarterback, if you're Tom Brady or whoever, that play right there, you could have had eyes in the back of your head, and you're still not going to miss the chance. You're, you're still not going to elude Nick Bosa on that play. It's just not going to happen. Hey, he- even Quincy Carter would have got sacked even there. Quincy Carter. You're, uh- you're dang right, but yeah, I think I think just. Just moving forward, uh, that's that's why I wrote about it. I think TCU fans have you, you've got to be extremely excited about what you got a quarterback moving forward. Daniel, you agree that is uh, that we have a strong quarterback in Sean Robinson. Absolutely, I, I think he, we're going to become really spoiled with him, and uh, and then and then Rogers, and 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 from then on out, it's just gone. You know. I don't know why anyone would be critical of this. This is his fourth start. Uh, it was against a monster program. It was the biggest game uh, on on for the for the week for the Saturday. Uh, you know, at at the stinking Death Star. I mean, what a you know, how, it's like that's that's insane to just go from uh, you know starting against Southern where there's hardly anyone there, and then two games later. After a monsoon, now you're on the biggest stage in college football, and to be cool as a cucumber, it's just amazing. You know, just just as a little inside joke, that was his first start against the Power Five team. What about Texas Tech? <laughs> I said it was. Oh, no. I said it was the okay, joke. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> hey, the Red Raiders are two and one right now. Hey, I know they are. They laid the wood. Uh, to Houston, I was glad about that. We're going to talk about that in a second. All right, we're going to hit one more on this article that you wrote, Jeremy. Uh, the Frogs have a tackling problem. Tell us why that's true. Well, I, th- I think we all saw it against SMU, and you can blame the weather being wet jerseys or whatever you, you want to call it, but uh, there is a tackling issue. There were several times last night um, the linebackers just didn't wrap up. Anytime you're getting to the second level and – and your safeties, Nico Small. Nico Small actually had a pretty decent game tackling last night. Didn't have the best of game covering, but when your safeties are making tackles, you know your your front four and your your uh, linebackers aren't making tackles. And I'm, I'm not trying to pick on anyone in particular, but I think Rico had a, a pretty tough night. You're diving at feet. Uh, Garrett had a few missed tackles. Garrett, he's he's young, just like Sean. He's going to get better. I'm not going to fault them too much, but they they have just got to do a better job tackling. And I, I was kind of I was kind of wondering where Jawan Johnson was. Maybe he's not picking up the scheme as well as he thought he would. Uh, and and maybe the Garrett and Enrico are just that much better athletes. But Alec came in and did a better better job than Enrico did tackling. And moving forward, they've they've got to fix that problem. I mean, they're going to face some really really athletic runners. Uh, you've you've got. Uh, this coming week, you've got a, a, a very uh, deceptive runner in Sam Ellinger. I mean, he's he's a dual threat guy. They've got to wrap up on him. They've got to wrap up on Texas running backs. You've got Kyler Murray down the line, uh, Trey Sermon, big bruising running back, uh, the the kid from Iowa State. I mean, the, there's the, Justice, yeah, Hill. Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. David Montgomery. Yeah, David from Montgomery. Iowa State. I love that running back. I mean, he he did pretty well against Oklahoma. So you've got to fix these problems moving forward. And and I, I think any of those guys will tell you, and even Coach Patterson will tell you that they've got to do a do a better job tackling. Period. Yep. No, I agree. They've got to they got to do a better job tackling. They've got to wrap up. Uh, you know, in, it's that transition from playing Southern to SMU to Ohio State, which is, you know, you can throw your shoulder at somebody in the Southern game and they go down, but you've got to wrap up and not just wrap up, but drive to the ground when you're playing Ohio State. And there were there are three or four plays that just come to my mind in that game last night where I was like, man, if we if we just could have wrapped up and, and driven them yeah. to the ground, and, there, you know, there, that, 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 that it could have changed some situations. And I, and I wrote this in my snap judgment story that I did late last night. The the third and one, they had Mike Weber in the backfield. I mean, they had him locked yes. down on a, a crucial third and one, and they let him go. 
They let him go. He, he, he breaks he the tackle, and they get a first down. Drive continues. And I think that's where they made it 14-13. to 13. And <clears> – <throat> The, the problem with the problem with them not not tackling is it if they don't fix it now it's just only going to get worse so you got to find the guys in there that yeah. are going to make the tackles plain and simple yeah I think you're going to see some schematic adjustments this week and I, I want to talk a little bit about that not just like who's going to play where where but I wanted to just kind of hand out some game balls of some guys I saw and some things that I was excited about. So I kind of want to close out this uh, discussion of the game with some positives, some summaries, some takeaways that I'm excited about. And I think we're going to see some new guys on the field. Number one, I love Noah Daniels. That guy was all over the field. He is big. He is fast. He is strong. And I love what he was able to do. So I don't know what kind of adjustments they need to make and who moves where in the defensive backfield, but the sooner we can get Noah Daniels on the field, the better. The second thing I want to highlight is Jeff Gladney played a heck of a game, and he's got another year. So when I think about the defensive backfield next year, and you got Noah Daniels, who's clearly coming on strong, and you got Jeff Gladney, who I think, I think played really well last night. Not only was he able to keep uh, prevent from being beat, but when he did get beat, he knew how to play the ball and be able to play the hand and, 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 and turn when he needed to turn. I thought Jeff Gladney had maybe his best game ever because I think back last year, the last time they played in the Big 12, you know, in Jerry World in the Big 12 title game, he got bruised up a couple times. He got burned a couple of times. That did not happen last yeah. night. So I love what's happening in the defensive backfield. So let me, let me say it this way. Aside from Ben Banigou and Ty Summers, there's nobody that I think will miss next year where the backup is not stronger or that there's a freshman or a redshirt freshman or a sophomore coming on strong that's going to be able to contribute. Uh, That's not knocking anybody that might be graduating or somebody that might get passed on the death chart. But if Corey Bethley and Big Ross comes back healthy and they're able to plug up the middle and then you have some of these new faces that are coming in, like Garrett Wallow got a full season under his belt at linebacker. Noah Daniels is going to get some serious snaps against big dogs like Ohio State and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And so I, I, everything I see on that defensive side of the ball gets me excited. And then on the offensive side of the ball, who's graduating? Like there's nobody that touched the ball last night other than Jalen Austin and Kevontae Turpin that are graduating. I think Jerison you know, is. You know, Jarrison no. Stewart, that's right. Jarrison Stewart. Guys like Darius Davis correct. and Tay Barber at slot that are better playing well. Yeah. Yeah. You had a lot of, you know, uh, Trey, Trey Heights makes that uh, touchdown catch. Tay Barber obviously plays well. Darius Davis did, did what he need, is, is going to make a contribution this year. He already has in the SMU game. But man, that is a, that is a lot of talent on both sides of the ball for a team that's going to return next year. So I am not like, doing some moral victory, but I'm also not playing Mac Engel and grinding down the team for, for losing. But, man, everything I saw last night moving gets me excited about the rest of the year and gets me excited about 2019. So I just I just wanted to highlight that because, man, I saw a lot of good things and all those good things. You know, the good thing back. that I took away from this game is you had Ohio State's defensive line, which was – I mean, let's let's face it. They, they are, along with Clemson, Everyone talks about how good Ohio State's defensive line is. And, and granted, Nick Bosa missed some of the game. I can't remember if he was knocked out before. No, he was in there for the 93-yard touchdown, wasn't he? Um, so, yes. So you had – Hey, Ross, Ross Blacklock missed a lot of oh, this game I understand. too. And that, not to change directions here, but I, I've told a lot of people, and I even wrote it in that story, that this, this was a game that I think TC really, really, really missed – Ross Blacklock just for the havoc that he creates oh, yeah. as a run stopper, filling gaps. And I think if they would have had him, you would have seen a much different run defense for TCU. But uh, the, the thing that impressed me was it, it, we've heard it from Coach Patterson talking about the offensive line. If you look at the stat line, they they rush for over 300 yards – or not 300, 200 yards against arguably one of the top three defensive lines in the, in the nation. And so that's got to give you some sort of optimism – Moving forward, whether it's Anthony McKinney starting a left tackle, Austin Myers at left tackle, or Austin Myers playing right guard, they, they moved some things around and they were still successful running the football. And I think we all seen the return of Darius Anderson for a guy that a lot of people still thought might have been banged up. That 93-yard touchdown, there, there was no Ohio State guys Ooh. gaining on him, trust me. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but I, I, I think they really gained, except from the – the dumb homers or the dumb t-shirt fans, which every fan base has those, 
the the true football fans, the true not the the people that have knowledge of this game, they walked away respecting what TCU has, and and, and even the the players from Ohio State respect what TCU has. I think it was Draymond Jones that said that TCU is the fastest team they've ever played, and that's that's a pretty yes. high compliment. Talking about them playing in the Big Ten, and, and that's what that's what people kept talking about. People kept talking about well. Listen, TCU has some pretty good speed, and everyone's like, well, Ohio State has seen speed. Come on. TCU speed's no different. And I think it finally's like, oh, you know what? You guys were right. TCU is freaking fast. We should have believed you. They are fast, and you guys have a great chance of winning the Big 12 now. And I think that, you know, that's that's yeah. the things you take out of this game. You, you take those positives, and you move forward. Now it's going to be a good game against Texas. They're playing at home. They've just knocked off what I thought was a – horrifically ranked number 22 USC. I, I don't even know why Ew. I predicted that. I think last week when I predicted them to win, I just wanted to say that the, the, the Trojans of Troy, um, because they're not good. USC is not a yep. good football team, plain and simple. They, they got hammered by Stanford, but, no. um, but as far as TCU goes, the, the fans should take a, a, away a lot of great things and, 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 use that moving forward because I think TCU has a chance to win every single game on the rest of their schedule. And if you watched that game last night, you would believe me too. Don't knock Troy. They, they took down a great well, Nebraska team. <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm talking about the Trojans of Troy, not the, uh, whatever the heck they are. What are they? The Troy. Trojans. Are they really? Yes. USC Trojans. No, the, the, the Troy. Are they uh, really the Troy Trojans? I don't know, man. I, I someone I know so quick. no, but my there is there is a high school in Missouri that is their mascot is the Troy. Well, look it up. One of my look good friends up. played high school football there. It's it. Daniel might be yeah, right. All right. I'm googling it right now. No, it's he's not right. Oh my gosh, he is. He, he is. They are the Trojan, the Troy Trojans. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that's like that's why he. <laughs> Okay, that's that's like that's like I, that's like Clemson and that. LSU calling each other stadium the Death Death Valley. I mean, yes. Although uh, both of them well, are damn yes. good. yeah, they're that's both pretty true. tough places. But no, Troy. I, I knew what you were talking about. But I was saying, don't knock, no, don't knock on Troy. Now they took out a great Nebraska team. No, I saw that. And they, you know, last year, the last year they beat. Mm-hmm. I was I, I, on my drive home, guys. I listened to the the replay of the ESPN game day and. Um, they've got, they've got this host, he'll, he'll call random players or, you know, they're, he's calling their SIDs, SIDs, handing the phone to random players. And so they're, they're talking, it's, it's a, it's a great show. So if you're ever up late, Sirius radio, ESPNU radio, and I'm listening to it on the way home last night. And and they were talking about how Troy beat Nebraska this year. And then they beat a ranked opponent. I think it was Missouri maybe, but they've, they've knocked off three power five schools the last three years. they beat LSU. Oh, right LSU. There. there you go. Yep. Yep. Coach O, you wouldn't believe what Coach O said after the game. I wouldn't understand what Coach O was said after the game. <laughs> no, you would not. Although they beat Auburn yesterday. Oh, gosh. So. Daniel, Dan, hold on right, real we, quick. We'll, Daniel, were you, were you in the stadium when that happened? Were you in the stadium yet? Uh, no. Okay. No, I was still ta- tailgating. Okay. Someone please let me know. And maybe you should tweet this out, Jeff, since you got so many haters from Ohio State. What was the bit? Yes. Why were they cheering so hard for LSU to beat Auburn? Oh, because they're. Jo- I know Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Is that the reason? Yeah, he transferred from Ohio State. Yeah, they were cheering okay. because of Joe Burrow okay. winning the game. They were excited okay. for him. It would, yeah, it would be like if, uh, if, Cam Eccles Looper had scored a touchdown for Western Kentucky and they had the game on in the corner. Everybody'd be glad for it, you know. Well, I didn't know if there thing, was any so. I, I knew they were probably yeah. cheering for Joe, but I didn't know if there was any particular hatred toward Auburn. Um for whatever because No, it's more okay. about cheering for Joe. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, they were playing the highlights on, on the yeah. Gigantron out there and and uh they were uh just cheering crazy. And I was talking to several people on the sideline before the game and we're trying to figure out why is everyone freaking out every time LSU highlights come on. And, and, uh, cause then later in the game, they showed like a, uh, they showed an up close of Joe and there was a little faint cheering, but 
wasn't near as loud as when it when LSU kicked the winning field goal. So that was that was kind of confusing us yeah. all together because we all kind of thought the same thing you did. Oh, they're cheering for Burrow. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I, I have to highlight, we had game day on campus, and uh, you know we'll get some feedback on what that was like. But I just have to give a shout-out to the biggest fan of the Frogcast, my friend Galen Morrison. He wrote me on – I made a comment on the podcast last week that if anybody could take a sign for the Frogcast to game day, I would, I'd buy him some Hein barbecue, and I thought, well, nobody will do it, or maybe somebody will get a little sign. Well, Galen sent me a message in the middle of the week and said, if you'll send me a JPEG – I will go down to the printing press and get a big sign because I'm going to go to game day. My wife told me to just take the whole weekend off. I'm going to go to game day. I'm going to go to the game at Jerry World. And so I sent him kind of the logo of the Frogcast that you can find on iTunes. And I thought, oh, he's going to make like a little sign that looks like one of the campaign signs in in the yard. He made a four-foot by (laughs) four-foot Frogcast sign with our Twitter account at the bottom of it. And I I roll out of bed on Saturday morning because I was up really late with my little guy. And I already had three text message pictures sent to me of Herb Street talking before the, uh, the game day came on with the Frogcast sign in the background. And I guess you could see it about yeah. half a dozen times. And so, Galen, I want to thank you for being such a fan. Uh, I do owe you some Heim barbecue. So the next time you drive in from Tyler and I'm in Fort Worth, we'll get you a We'll hook you up, but thanks for doing that. That I really appreciated that. And he he actually got a good picture of him and Coach Dixon standing next to the Frogcast sign. I thought that was and Don Dow did the same thing. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it's for he, Galen's an old old guy like me, and so to be out there with the students and to be able to be young at heart, I really love that. I'm thanks a lot, buddy. I yeah, really that was appreciate aw- you doing that. That was awesome. So I, I saw I saw Coach Dixon on the sidelines before the game last night, and I, I pulled open that picture. I said, Yeah, I seen you kind of stand I, I got a picture sent to me and you were kind of standing in the background he goes oh what and I pulled open the picture and there it was with Galen standing next to him <laughs> I said see you were there you can't hide from any of us and he just cracked up about it he said man that's a big sign right there I yeah. said yeah that's part of the podcast that we do we'll talk some basketball for you coach see that's see that's the cool thing you that's what college makes college football great is a guy will go to his local printing press on Tyler and print off a massive four by four sign of a, of a podcast for people. He's literally never met face to face and drive three hours and get there at seven o'clock in the morning just to make sure that his friend gets on ESPN. So I, that's why we love college football right there. And that's why I love TCU. Yep. And for me personally, it's because I, I threw that graphic together real quick when we first started because we need yeah. we need something, and I just kind of put it together, and and then I see it on this big sign. And I'm like, it's just it was shocking to me because I just happened to make that uh, the, uh, what three four years ago whenever we started in uh, 2015. 2015, so, yep. Man, it, it was like cool. He wants something. He want, he wants something yeah, out not, of this, Jeff. <laughs> I'd get him some high barbecue. He wants some. I'll no, get him no, pie. I'll get him a pie. <laughs> What's your demand? I'll tell you what, though. I'll, I'll just ha- I'll just have a little moment here for one second. To think that we went from I, I still remember saying in the driveway talking to you on the phone, Daniel, and you we said let's figure out how to make this happen, and to go from that to having a uh, a couple thousand listeners every week that gets us on game day. That's kind of cool. I'll just say that that's pretty cool. So yeah. the, the, there's a great opportunity to, to break through and to, to do something that you love. And that this is definitely one of those things. Well, real quick recruits, Jeremy, did we have anybody on campus? Anybody uh, that was able to be there for game day or anybody that was able to come to the game? I know there was a lot of tension about what might happen if the frogs lost. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm ha- I hate to tell you this, but there are going to be some decommitments. Carter Johnson, um, I mean, Ohio State's in his backyard. I mean, he's probably wavering. I mean, because of this loss, there's probably going to be at least eight or nine decommitments. You, I'm you messing with me this you. Mo- God. <laughs> I was trying to keep it going no, there until so you texted there, me before church and said it was four, and now it's up to eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. No, I always, always get a kick out of the – you, you get the knee-jerk fan reactions. If they if their team loses a game, they automatically think that the recruiting class is gone. It, it it's crazy like that. And and sorry guys, I'm not I'm not trying to mess with you. Although I am, uh, I just it, it it amazes me sometimes that it, you're not going to lose a commit 
commitment over over losing one game. But uh, I, I think overall the the recruits that were supposed to show up, it was a pretty big list. Uh, I ended up getting it, and a lot of those a lot of those guys were committed guys. Uh, your your guys, especially here in Texas now, Max Duggan didn't come down from from Iowa to, for, for the game, but I think uh, some of the bigger names that that are there that are still targets Langston Anderson the the receiver out of uh, Midlothian Heritage uh you had a you had Miles Price the 2020 uh kid at the athlete out of the colony that uh got an offer over the summer after really really good camp performance Alec Bryan is one of the top defensive ends in the state for the 2020 class Braynard Wright from Dallas Carter is one of the top defensive tackle prospects from the 2020 class so you you could you could see that they're they're trying to already target some of these some of these uh, 2020 kids. Peyton Powell is another guy that had an invite. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he made it. I'm going to find out for sure probably tomorrow or Tuesday if some of these guys made it. The, the bad thing about having this game at AT&T, you can't, you can't bring them on the sidelines. You can't talk to them. Coaches can't take them around. So basically it's like if I'm a recruit, okay, Jeremy Clark's going to request a ticket. Okay, they, they put me on this list and – I go up, they tell me at least where to go. I get the ticket and then I have to go to my seat. And that's, that's what it is. I can't, I can't go down to the sideline. I can't go talk to the uh, director of football operations. I can't go say, Hey, can you go get coach so-and-so for me? I really want to, talk. I can't do any of that because the coaches aren't allowed to. So it's, it's not really a personable uh, a visit as it would be if it was at TCU. Um, but it, I mean, nonetheless, just to have a chance to go out there and see that see that game, and you saw TCU. If you're recruit, you're getting recruited by TCU. You're you're seeing how good they can play, and and the respect that they are getting, basically nationwide today uh, for playing Ohio State so hard, and no one really gave them a chance to win. But yeah, it, it ended up. Ty George, another guy, the West Mesquite twenty twenty running back. I love that kid. Jalen Camber was another guy. They had to invite the the 2020 kid out of uh, cornerback out of Mansfield uh, Timberview that I that I love that kid I I think TCU has a really good chance at landing him but he's he's uh he's gotten a ton of interest since TCU's offered and he's probably going to be one of the top cornerbacks in the country before it's all said and done Cortland Ford's another one and, and of course you had you had uh, some more local kids that uh just the committed kids. Uh, mm-hmm that came up and, and, and tried to uh, get a, get a good seat for the action. Colt Ellison, Wyatt Harris, those, those kids that are local kids, but all in all, man, I think it was a, uh, uh, a pretty good list of guys that had a chance to come up there and, and see the game. And like I said, I should know more by Monday or Tuesday for the guys that, that had a chance to make it up there. That sounds good. That's a lot of good recruiting info right there. So to close out this segment, we want to kind of just really quick go through. we got about 10 minutes here. Look at some of the games that happened this weekend. Each of these can kind of be summarized in, uh, in a sentence or two. North Texas smoked Arkansas. Smoked Arkansas. And it had the greatest punt play I've ever seen in my life. Did you see that, Daniel? The fake punt fair that, catch. yeah i agree that was probably one of the coolest things and how they fell for it i mean how stupid are you he didn't move his arms you know he didn't wave it off illegally he and they didn't blow any whistles so are they that dumb i guess so if you read a, i get i get <laughs> there someone did a story someone because someone interviewed them after the game and they were talking about yes i saw yeah that. so it's it, it was basically a, a, a full production I mean, you had to have your – because usually when that kind of stuff happens, the offense is already starting to step on the field with the coaches and they're starting to work over the the, the plays they're going to run. But I think they one of the stories I read is that the defender from Arkansas even said something to the returner about, wonder why that ref isn't blowing his whistle. <laughs> and so he, he yeah. didn't do anything. Oh, man. And, and, like, and so the guy, just the returner, uh, just starts walking toward the sideline and just takes off running. I mean, just – Craziest play ever, man! North Texas, three and zero, man. Three and zero. Seth Latrell, he's swap them, swap them out with Baylor, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other, a couple other quick games. Oh, Oklahoma State was an underdog at home to Boise State, and Mike Gundy did not like that. 
Oklahoma State 44, Boise State 21. I think we might have another contender for the Big 12 title game here in Oklahoma State. They yeah. looked really good against Boise. So that's a uh, it's not all about conference pride. We don't get credit for other people's wins, but it does help the perception of the conference. They smoked Boise State and that's that's a that's a good victory for the conference right there. So another good victory for the conference was watching Tech just hammer Houston. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with Tech's hammer in Houston for two reasons. One, it's good for the Big 12, and two, because Kendall Browse coaches at Houston. So, uh, you know, Bowman, he looked pretty sharp. He's that kid out of Grapevine. I think he's – is he a true freshman, yeah, Jeremy? Alan Bowman. I think he's a true freshman. freshman. Yeah, yeah, he's – He looked really good. He's, he's a kid that I that I had a, a chance to watch a few times um, in his high school career, and he was a four-year starter at Grapevine, too. He started as a, as a freshman in high school. And what was, what was unbelievable to me is, like – the the kid didn't really start getting offers from the power five schools until right before his senior year. And I was just thinking, what the hell are teams waiting for? What are they, this kid is amazing. He's got a great arm. He's poised. He's got great size. And, and Texas Tech got a good one, man. He's he's going to be a good player for them. Yeah, I think so, too. He's a good player. And, he, you know, I got it. Let's just give credit where credit's due. If you want to be a quarterback and you're not obsessed about making the playoff, go to Texas Tech. Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdowns today for the Chiefs. Is that yeah. right? And then, you know, and then what, what they were able to do yesterday against Houston, they, they look pretty darn sharp. And then the Frogs uh, travel this week to Austin. Texas beat USC. That's not a very good USC team. We don't even know how good a Texas team is, but we, don't, we also don't want to just uh, totally denigrate it. USC was ranked. Texas beat them. They beat them pretty soundly. And the Frogs traveled down to Austin this week to take on Texas. So let's hear from both of you guys uh, real quick here. What do you think the Frogs are going to see when they go down to Austin? We don't have to put a prediction on the scoreboard here, but what do you anticipate in the game in, 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 in Daryl K. Royal this Saturday? Stomping a mud hole. <laughs> you think, Daniel, the Frogs are going to be able to bounce back from a – a tough, a tough game physically as well as mentally. Do you think they're going to be able to put themselves in a position in just one week if, to go down and beat Texas again? Yeah, if if they, I'm not worried about Texas. I mean, it's going to be a mental thing. They might have a slow start, but if they can do that, what they did against massive players and with a lot of talent at Ohio State, um, and I mean Texas has a lot of on paper talent, but. I'm I'm just not that worried about it, and I could be wrong. That would suck, but um, we just keep getting better and better, and Stallers to it. What about you, Jeremy? <clears throat> well, this is the game that's been circled on Texas's calendar for over a year. I mean, this is the game. Yeah, they 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 want to beat TCU in a very very bad way. TCU has completely embarrassed that program the last four years, and there would be nothing better to let the nation know that Tom Herman is the guy at uh, Texas if they could somehow pull off an upset. I think TCU is going to start slow. They are going to be coming off an emotional game um, against Ohio State. This is going to be an electric cr- uh, crowd for Texas. It's not going to be like it was at AT&T where you're going to have 35,000 TCU fans cheering for you. You're going to have a lot smaller number, plus you're going to be playing against a crowd that's probably going to be close to what it was for USC last week. And this is another ranked opponent that they've got coming in. Texas has a lot of confidence now that they've got to win against uh, a team that has a pulse. You still have that Maryland loss and and you still have that win against Tulsa where they were uh, extremely uh, lucky to to come out of there with a win. But they put it all together against USC, but this is going to be a different team. This is going to be most athletic, most physical, fastest. And if TCU can somehow get out fast – then it's going to be another. It's going to be another lopsided win for TCU. But if they start out slow and they keep Texas in the game, then I could see this game becoming closer than what I thought it would have been, maybe before the start of the season when when I saw both teams through the first couple of weeks. But uh, it, it it's it's a, it's a scary game. It's a scary game. I don't think TCU is going to lose, but I think it's a scary game. My my incoming hot take is. TCU is going to win, and they're going to drop the hammer in the first quarter. They're going to be so focused and so locked in. 
that they will they will bring the pressure against Sam, and that I think that offensive line is going to come to play. So I expect heavy doses of Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager in the first quarter, and I anticipate uh, I think it's going to be like twenty one three at the end of the first quarter, frogs, and then what they do from there is just a matter matter of running out the clock. So I'm going to go TCU big, and I'm going to go TCU jumps on them early. So we will all find out about that here this Saturday as the frogs travel to Austin. So real quick here, let's do some pick for some games I got on my radar for next week. Daniel, Alabama A&M, the, the, uh, the Tide are a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Do the Aggies cover? What was the spread? 24-and-a-half points. No. No. I'd... So you, you – okay, Bama by 25. Yeah, at least. I mean, Aggies looked a lot better against Clemson. But I don't think Clemson's quite as good as they've been given the credit for. And not that Ole Miss is any good, but they just oh. blew them away. And that was Peach Bowl-esque. Yes, that was, what was it, 60-something to 7? And Ole Miss scored on their first play, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the only time they got, just, it was like a fluke they get, that they got to score. And Alabama seems to be on even another level than they have been before with, with, with this new offense the kind of thing they got going on. I guess it's the new quarterback uh, mostly, but uh, it's unreal. And uh, they should be excluded from the playoffs uh, because it's not fair. <laughs> Jeremy, who do you have, Aggies or Bama? Uh, Bama. Yeah, I've got Bama as well. I got Bama big. The the joyless murder machine will just will just steamroll them. That's my that's my working theory. All right, Jeremy, pick real quick. Kansas State versus West Virginia. Who do you have? K State or WVA? Uh, West Virginia. Daniel. Country roads. I'm with you. West Virginia wins. Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Daniel, who do you have? Tech or Okie State? I'm going to have to go with the Pokes. I'm going to go with the Pokes as well. Jeremy, you going to make a three for three or are you going with Tech? Give me the Pokes. Give you the Pokes. I've got the Pokes. The Pokes are favored in every game until Bedlam, the second week in November. So winning that, uh, winning that game against Boise really does set up well for them. Then finally, a game that is kind of going to determine who's going to be in the basement of the Big 12. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. Kansas, who is on a two-game win streak, is playing Baylor. Baylor got beat by Duke. Baylor is one and two. Kansas is two and one with that two-game winning streak on the line here. Give me Kansas. Give me Kansas big. Uh, Baylor is like a seven and a half point favorite against Kansas. There's no way in the world that that's going to stand. Give me Kansas over Baylor. Baylor's going to go defeated in the Big 12. Daniel. Same thing. Kansas is something's turned around there. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's it's amazing. Uh, and also, uh, Rutgers is trash. <laughs> Rutgers is trash. Did anybody catch Joey Galloway this morning on College Football Live where he said with a big open wide tw- with a big open no with a wide open Big 12, excuse me, with a wide open Big 12, keep your eye on Kansas. He literally said that. Well, Jer- he's an idiot, but he's not <laughs> wrong this time. He's not wrong this time. Jeremy Kansas or Baylor? Where's the game at? Uh the game is in uh I think it's in uh Waco. Okay, give me Kansas. Kansas. Right, How I'll good is Nickel right State? Now, Has right? anyone looked at their record? <laughs> I don't know, but they beat yeah, Kansas. They beat Kansas. And, and, and they, beat... Kansas turns around and beats Central Michigan thirty-one to nothing, and then they and then they I slaughter know. Rutgers, which isn't saying a lot, but they slaughter them. They slaughtered they... them as much as Ohio State yeah. slaughtered them. Yeah. So okay, I, I was wrong. It is. Uh, it is in Waco, but it's a nine and a half point spread. Baylor is favored by almost ten point nine and a half point favorite against K State. That is send your kids to college line right there, man. I got give me the give me the Jayhawks. Give me the three point lead. Give me the three game win streak and give me case Kansas over Texas again this year. Well, that'd be nice. And that I'd like nice. to point something else. Not I don't want to derail it or anything, but TCU and Baylor are both two and one. This past weekend, the uh, Baylor 
loses, TCU loses. TCU loses by 12, Baylor loses by 13. What's the big difference here? We were playing Ohio State and they were playing Duke. Yes, and that was supposed to be funny, but it did not work out at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my delivery sucked, but the point I, is they lost well, to no, Duke. I got a, I got a task for world. you, Daniel. You need you need some cricket drops. You need you need you need to get the cricket going. I, that's a and good I, point. There's going to be something me or Jeff say down the line that you're not going to laugh at, and you're gonna yep. you're going to be ready to punch that button, and and you're going to have yeah. your moment. All right. But when you start cueing your own cricket drops, maybe it's time to look into another form of communication. Well, well I'll cue them if, if if it doesn't work. You know, yeah. Carson was Johnny Carson was good at handling a joke that bombs. So <laughs> I got to do the same. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, you do. Well, fellas, anybody think uh, anybody got anything else for the good of the cause before we wrap up here? No. Nope. I'll well, I want to thank. Are you, yeah, we are will you see going? you in Austin. I want to thank you. I'm going to go. Nice. Nice. I'm going to be in town for the Oklahoma game, guys. So, Oh, uh, about that. real quick, Stefan Wright may be here for the Iowa State game. Oh, okay. Great. Great. He's the kid out yes, of sir. L.A., right? Nice. Are we, sold on, are we sold on Iowa State yet? I mean, they lost to Iowa, but they – well, they played well against Oklahoma, but that's yeah, kind of kind of a rule because they had a backup yeah. quarterback making his first. Who start. does Iowa State have this week? Hmm. Iowa State this week. I need to keep this Yahoo Sports app up. Um, Iowa State is playing Akron, so they'll they'll get their win. Excellent. Yeah, Iowa State plays Akron, and then they, and then they come to Fort Worth. Hmm. So Akron. Hmm. Is that a rescheduled game? No, that was Nebraska. Yeah, that was Nebraska Akron. Did you see Akron beat Northwestern? Yep. Oh no, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Go Big Ten. I know Big Ten looked great yesterday. Great. So, well, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, please go on iTunes or your podcasting app and subscribe to us. We would love for you to be able to get our content delivered right into your phone every Monday morning during this football season. And also give us a rating or a review. We would really appreciate that. It goes a long way to let people know about our podcast and get the word out about who we are. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Please like, retweet, share our content, get the word out there about what's going on. There's a lot of good places where you can find information about TCU football, but you're not going to find the info inside info from the program like you are right here at TCU 24-7. Go to hornfrogblitz.com and join us today. You will not regret it. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Pop Tips Podcast.